Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. I will admit I wasted probably about 45 minutes of my time today really wasted 45 minutes of my time. But in a certain respect, it's worth it. Just out of, I guess, morbid curiosity, because it is morbid. Prince Harry and Meghan. Harry and Meghan, the documentary on Netflix, is out. And the second episode drops this week of the two-part volume. And I am just fascinated by it in the respect that, yes, we have this kind of a attention span for the royal family that we're enamored by them. We want to know more and we want to know more about the royal drama, even if you believe nothing that is being said or you believe some of what's being said by Harry and Meghan. I've talked a little bit about it. I'm just like so sick of the wah-wah from the two of them. Um, And I think there's a lot of inconsistency in especially the character of Harry. I mean, all of us have inconsistencies. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on the whole Harry and Meghan. It's something that has not stayed out of the news. And again, wasting my time watching it. But also, I'm curious to see like people are talking about this. People have a perspective, and I think there's a lot to be learned. So if you have a thought on Harry and Meghan, I'll be talking about it a little bit later. You can also share on social media through a couple question boxes up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm here waiting to hear what you have to say because I really care about Harry and Meghan and everything that's going on. You can sense my sarcasm. But if you want to give us a call, the number is 1-888-914-9149. And you know what? I don't buy this whole everyone's pro-LGBTQ agenda. Like the LGBTQ ideology is strong. It is prevalent in institutions and in the news media. But that doesn't mean it's what everyone believes. In fact, many people mainstream to the left who have family members are actually a little uncomfortable with it. So don't just believe the polls. I'll talk a little bit about that later on uh, today during Trending, especially after the great news we received last week on the gender front. I'll reiterate that if you weren't with me yesterday on Trending, Joining me today is Father Nathan Cromley. He's a founder of the St. John Institute that is forming and equipping, equipping Catholic leaders in all areas of life, from business professionalism to excellence in your own life. If you are a parent, a spouse, a stay-at-home mom, wherever you're at, you can find his awesome work, including Eagle Eye Ministries, which is an organization really focused on forming the next generation of Catholics and a contemplative, faith-filled spirit to go out into the world. Uh, so you can find them at Eagle Eye Ministries. That's eagleeyeministries.org, as well as the St. John Institute. You can link to right there as well. But Eagle Eye Ministries has all kinds of retreats. I highly recommend we talk about them a lot here on Trending. Father Nathan Cromley is joining me to talk about joy. We just celebrated Gaudate Sunday And we have that third pink rose candle lit on our Advent race. We'll also talk about confession as preparation for the coming of Christ and why all these penance services are happening and what we can do individually to take advantage of this time. Father Nathan Cromley, welcome back to Trending. 
Thanks, uh, Timory. Glad to be back. Let's talk about joy and the Gaudate candle, that rose candle on the Advent wreath. One of the reasons why I was excited to talk with you today is because it used to be annually I took an Advent retreat every single Advent um, with Eagle Eye Ministries, one of your organizations, and it was themed around Advent. One of the themes that often will be discussed is joy, and that joy is a theme for us to be praying for or virtue in this third week of Advent if you have that Advent wreath around your table. So what is the significance of joy for us as we prepare for the coming of Christ at Christmas, his second coming, and our judgment day? Well, you know, the first thing to point out is that the Advent wreath is is progressively getting brighter as the days are progressively getting shorter. So we can all feel it, the darkness kind of coming sooner and sooner every day in, in late afternoon. And yet in our Catholic life, our wreaths, our wreaths are gradually getting brighter. And that's exactly what that third candle means, Timory. It's an, an accentuation of love and loving anticipation for the birth of the light of the world, who is Christ. So it, as the darkness falls, we light more candles. And the third candle is really now suddenly we're over half of the wreath because our hearts are turning to say, Come, Lord Jesus, the light is coming back. And that's why it's a joyful candle, because it's especially oriented towards reminding us that we're going to win, <laughs> that the light light wins over the darkness and that Jesus is coming. And that fills our hearts with a certitude that we're going to make it, we're going to thrive, and that you know God is close to us. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I just moved back to the West Coast and, you know, in like more of the southern part of the state, it's darker sooner. After being, you know, more north in the Midwest and you see the darkness is sooner, I came right in time for the time change and it's just felt very, very dark as we've headed into Advent and into this Christmas season. And literally, you're talking about the elements. You're talking about, you know, the way the world is working right now with that increase in darkness in our lives, especially here in the United States, but that light of Christ, I appreciate, you know, kind of seeing that perspective, especially if you even look at the comparison of from St. John the Baptist feast day uh, to Christmas and the change in the timeline where um, once we hit, if I'm correct, St. John, right around St. John the Baptist feast day in June, uh, the days transition from this length into shortness and the light begins again to increase right around Christmas time with just the way this seasons are oriented. And what's unique in the Catholic tradition is that starting on December 17th, we have these wonderful antiphons that we sing at Vespers all around the church universal. Uh, Everyone who prays evening prayer uses these antiphons and those antiphons spell out backwards. The first word of each, if you take the letter, like an acronym of each of the, the word, first words of the antiphons, and then you spell them out backwards, they spell tomorrow I come. So by the the 24th, the last invocation is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And, uh, yes, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And with that, the phrase is complete, tomorrow I come. And on the 21st, which is the day when the light returns, the winter solstice, the whole church universal sings at Vespers the invocation, Come, O Son of Justice, S-U-N. And it's neat because we time that exactly with the solar uh, phenomenon to play on the coming of the, the physical light as a sign to us of the coming of the divine light, which is Jesus Christ himself. 
Let's talk a little bit about joyful anticipation. If you're just joining me, that's Father Nathan Cromley. He's the founder of Eagle Eye Ministries and St. John Institute. You can find him, especially the youth programs at eagleeyeministries.org and stjohnleadershipnetwork.org. We'll post a link on social media. Let's talk a little bit about that joyful anticipation that we are entering into right now. We are just days away from Christmas, you know, less than (laughs) two weeks at this point. And I feel this in a special way because I'm 39 weeks pregnant. You know, it's almost like a really long Advent season for me, uh, working my way toward Christmas and this anticipation, this busyness, and then the slow and the lull that's supposed to happen, especially before having a baby, that slow and lull that enters into Christmas, it's easy to miss. some of that anticipation when we're too busy. Uh, But that spirit of joy needs to be a part of our entire day in these final moments leading up to the grand celebration of Christmas Day itself. Well, you know, when when you think about what joy is, a little bit of philosophy is always apropos. Uh, And the, the understanding of joy is when it something happens to you or something's presented to you that allows you to grow and to expand. And the deeper the joy, the deeper the part of you that grows and expands. So if you see a glass of orange juice, you could have joy, but it's really a very shallow joy. It's the joy of your taste buds. And that's a fine thing, but it's but even that's a joyful thing, you know? But then if you grow at the level of your mind, of your grasp of truth, when you, when you learn things that are deep and true, boy, your joy accelerates to the top. And then, of course, if you expand your ability to love and have a loving relationship with God Almighty, I mean, your joy is sublime. And that's that's why the, the theme of joy is so important in Advent, because the one who's coming is not someone who's neutral with respect to us. And he's not someone who is, is just another idea of another religion. He's the Savior who has come to claim us like a bridegroom claims his church, claiming his bride. Uh, a shepherd looking after the lost sheep, a friend looking for a friend. And that virulence of Christ, the male, the masculine, who comes to save us, fills us with joy because we realize suddenly that everything he's coming to do is to give us all that we long for in God. And therefore, it's the greatest joy of the earth. And Advent is a season for us to learn that, to change our perspective about God, from being a judge only or from being just a rule giver only, but becoming the the lover who wants me to be a part of his life. And that is, that's something that should fill all of us with joy because it's something the whole world cannot contain. Take us to the significance of Jesus Christ coming as a baby and how he endears us to himself in a certain respect. But then you know, you pause and you see the morbidity of the child Jesus and the anticipation of what will come that we celebrate in just a handful of months in the passion of Christ and then the resurrection. Can you maybe even just comment for a moment on that significance of endearing us to the child while preparing us for the the sacrifice and the gruesomeness of what's to come later. Well, Timur, I mean, you're you're a mother. Uh, what was it like for you? What, what do you see in this? Because I, I, I'd love to hear from you a little bit. I mean, wh- how do you see it playing out? So it's interesting you asked because I remember a couple of years ago I read the. Um, 
the book by St. Alphonsus Liguori on meditations for Christmas and Advent. And I thought it was going to be this really, really sweet book because it was focused, like it said something about like the infant in the title. And I was anticipating, we were waiting for our first baby to be born. And here I am, lo and behold, I'm reading this really intense book, not about, you know, baby Jesus and how sweet it would be, but instead about how God um, allowed well, God chose to come as an infant to endear us to himself, but how, you know, not that God is manipulative, but the significance that he used a child to draw us so deeply in and then take us ultimately to Calvary, to take us to that sacrifice. I think about the power of that and comparing it to motherhood at the time I was expecting my first child. And I was going, oh my goodness, my mind is being blown in a certain respect that is romanticizes we like Christmas to be or having a new baby, uh, the sacrifice that comes with that, whether it be with having a new child or entering into the life of being a Christian and what we're called to in that conversion to actually loving the Christ child uh, moving forward. Well, I, and I would add to that, I think it's excellent. I would add to that the, the perspective that the infant state of Christ needs to always be linked to his gift to us on the cross because it's the same person in the same mystery, that of salvation. And if he came as an infant, it would be so that we would not deny the, the incredible intention that's behind the cross. And this is important because a lot of our listeners struggle with this. We become basically practical atheists. I mean, we love God and everything, but we don't really see where he fits into our everyday life. And that's because it's kind of like, well, he died on a cross. He was this man who got in trouble and then he got put on a cross. We feel bad for him, but our life goes on. Even the people at the time in Jerusalem walked right past him to go in to prepare for their Sabbath dinners. And Jesus doesn't want that. So by being presenting and really receiving him in our own arms, so to speak, our spiritual arms this Christmas, this baby, and letting him woo our hearts, he opens us to the full meaning of what the cross is. The cross is him in love with us. It, it, it's the confrontation that I want our listeners to have, to not treat Jesus like an idea and to not treat Christianity like just some religion. It's a relationship coming right out of the heart of God himself who is coming to love us and to save us like a baby who's coming to get our smiles, our affections, and our love. So he is on the cross, intent on our hearts and claiming them. Father Nathan, some people might be struggling, especially in the 21st century, kind of hearing this idea of how endearing um, children are, right? Or babies are, and or that we should have this sense of delight and endearment. Like that's a natural sense that we should have when we see children, but that love for children has really been destroyed in many ways in the 21st century. Uh, people don't delight in children and celebrate children as a gift as they used to. So it's interesting kind of taking it to today's world where before, you know, we, I think more people universally would accept that it's hard to deny that intention of the Christ child as an infant and that um, conformity and turn toward the cross that is offered out of love starting with the infant versus today there's, you know, a dislike or disinterest in the baby or people might say, you know, the whole Christmas story just doesn't resonate with me. That familial story isn't there. What would you say to those people who feel this disconnect with family or disconnect with, you know, the incredible gift of a child and the idea that you can't deny the love of a child and the intention that takes us further into that sacrifice. 
Well, you know, uh, Timory, I never anticipated being asked that question in my entire life. <laughs> you got to be on training with Timory to get to get that type of insight. I guess maybe I live in such a bubble that it never even occurred to me. Uh, and how sad that is on the one hand. But on the other hand, wherever there's an absence and a lack, it's so it's an opportunity to discover. And I guess what I would say to people like that is don't close your mind and don't close your heart. Let me show you a world and a place where the where the, the wonder and the innocence of children is something that you can be allowed to hold in high esteem and allowed to mesmerize you. If someone's really that out of touch with the, the, the natural sense of family and love, what an opportunity it is for them to say, you know, if God chose this language, it wasn't because he was wrong. <laughs> he chose this language, this symbolism of a child. And this becoming that symbolism is a child, but he became a child in order to teach you that it's okay to be in awe over something. And it's okay to be vulnerable to love. And mm -hmm. with that perspective, I would hope to, to open them to a whole new world and a whole new way of living, a way that's, that's, that celebrates vulnerability. And, and maybe that's actually the, the doorway by which they can be saved and, and, and open their hearts to love. I think that's a very keen and insightful response because even just talking, for example, you know, to women I've known who have, you know, feared the idea of children or said they didn't want a child, even just kind of saying and helping them to understand, like, you could be a great mom. You would be a great mom. Um, you know, and like, I'm sorry that you have that fear. Sometimes those acknowledgments are helpful. I was just talking to a friend a couple weeks ago and she was mentioning that she had this friend who was swearing off that she'd ever have children. And she just looked at her and said, you know, if you end up having children, you would be an incredible mother. And this girl was absolutely flabbergasted. Uh, and she didn't know what to say. She was overwhelmed. She was about to cry. And, and you know, she continued to talk to her. And she was just saying, yeah, a child would be an absolute gift. You would be a great mom. And so sometimes these ideas of breaking uh, that brokenness that's there and breaking into it and seeing that mesmerization, like you said, that can occur over the idea, the gift of a family and a child, even if you aren't there, if you haven't experienced uh, positive feelings or perspective in those areas. That's Father Nathan Cromley here on Trending with Tim Ray. We're going to be right back and we're going to unpack confession as preparation for the coming of Christ this Christmas as we continue to journey through Advent. If you have a question about Advent, numbers 1-888-914-9149. Father Nathan Cromley is happy to take your questions can find his work at eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org and stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. We post links on social media. So stay tuned. I'll be right back with Father Nathan Cromley. And I want to hear your thoughts on Harry and Meghan, the Netflix documentary. Are you wasting your time watching it or are you enjoying it? You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. I really just don't buy the claim that everyone's pro-LGBTQ today from being pro-transition to pro-cross-sex hormones or even pro-marriage and the whole idea that, quote, love is love. We'll talk about that a little bit here on Trending, especially after the major victories in the court this past week with regard to physicians and insurance companies not having to perform or pay for cross-sex hormone so-called therapy that's extremely harmful in many ways. Uh, puberty blockers for children that prevents puberty from occurring 
creating permanent long-term infertility, osteoporosis, bone density issues, all kinds of issues, permanent fertility issues. Uh, Insurance companies don't have to cover that after the whole uh, mandate from the Biden administration, from Health and Human Services, and physicians don't have to perform those so-called surgeries. Uh, They're not preventative care, and the medical science and data isn't there, and Health and Human Services team has had to acknowledge that. We'll talk about that in a little bit, more so specifically why this is a fact that's happened through science confirming it, but people just aren't buying it, even when the polls say otherwise and the news claims something else. Also talk about Harry and Megan, that wonderful uh, two-part documentary series I know you were spending your time on this week in the Advent season. We'll talk about it in just a moment, but if you have a thought on it, the number's 1-888-914-9149. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. Father Nathan Cromley is joining me now, and we're talking about Advent. We're in the season. Christmas isn't here yet. I know we can jump ahead into the Christmas music, which is great. I do it too. I try to observe more Advent music, but this Advent season is a special season. It's like a mini Lent. Some people compare it to. We've talked a lot about the penance and opportunity for fasting. Um, The church offers all these penance services during the season that we are in right now. And maybe we're wondering why. I teased my husband a couple years ago because he kept saying, man, I really want to go to one of these penance services. He had never been to a penance service. And I kept going, why? You know, you go to confession all the time. What's the big deal? If you really want to wait in a super long line for confession? Not that that should deter you from going. No matter what, if you need to go to confession, you should go and endure however long of a line you may need to. Um, but this season is one where the church is really saying, hey, get to confession. Father Nathan Cromley from the St. John Leadership Institute is with me, stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. Uh, if you want to learn more, we post the links on social media. Father Nathan, why is the church extending this focus on confession as preparation for Christ's coming at Christmas? <laughs> That's great. And when you said that, I, I thought that me saying to the audience, listen, hey, go to confession. <laughs> That would be my word to the to all of you because what the fact is it's really simple i mean if you have your hands full right then you can't receive anything new well if our heart is full of ourselves and our worries our anxieties our fears our grudges our baggage our wounds our negativity all that stuff well there's no way that you have any room for god to do anything new in your life right so you have to first get rid of the evil, make the space in your heart, and then you can receive him in all of the depth of what he wants to give. It, it, it's really that simple, Tim Marie. We, we, we don't take seriously enough our own hearts. When we think that God is some sort of strange idea and maybe we have time for him, maybe we don't, we kind of like him, but we don't really know him, then we don't understand it. But the moment that you realize that it's a relationship that wants, where he wants, to, to take you into a whole new level of life and a commitment and transform from the inside everything that you do to make it more beautiful, more intense, more wonderful. Well, then you realize well, what I have to do to receive that. I have to make room for that relationship. And that's why we renounce sin. We break with our bad habits and we open ourselves to the gift of light. So we're preparing ourselves to receive Christ. I'm going to make a total joke here that's off topic, but I kept thinking as you were talking about if your hands 
If you have your hands full, you can't receive anything new. And the same is said, like you said, with needing to go to confession. And I'm waiting for this baby to come out. And I kept thinking the other day, I really want to go to confession before the baby comes. I really want to go. And I'm like, watch, I'll go to confession. And then finally the baby will come. Um, and I'm laughing because it is this whole idea, like preparing our hearts, preparing ourselves to receive something or to reorient our mission. And I think Christmas should be, in a certain respect, like Lent. A lot of people allow Lent to reorient their Christian mission, to invigorate them. Well, we should have the same thing happening in this Advent season. Don't just have fun at Christmas and exchange gifts and enjoy the Christmas music. Actually reinvigorate your faith and change course. Take a step further into your identity as a Christian and confession prepares the way to do that. It, it does in such a powerful way because it has two major things. Number one is that your sins are forgiven. And you are absolved from your past. Folks, did you hear me say that? <laughs> you are absolved from your past. I mean, you couldn't even, if I tried to sell this, you know, it would be people standing in line for hours and hours, you know? And yet we Catholics just take it for granted. I am able to remove guilt and shame from your life as a Catholic priest. I can break the bonds between you and everything that's bringing you down and keeping you from rising through life claiming it and, and, and living it to the full. Why wouldn't you take me up on that? And the answer is, well, I basically really don't believe, I guess. And I'm like, welcome to hope. <laughs> because I got some great news for you, everybody. Like if you actually did believe, you could be born again. You could be born again at confession. So that's the first thing. The second thing that confession does is it strengthens you. So there's a healing element that's there in confession. And if you're with a, a priest that, that does the full ritual, He'll actually say this prayer that says, you know, may the prayers of the Virgin Mary and of all the saints, whatever good you do and suffering you endure, heal your sins, help you, uh, you know, to retain holiness and bring you to everlasting life. And it's this beautiful line, heal your sins. And so that's present, even if he doesn't say it, but it's present in the ritual where you get a grace of strengthening. So really, I would put it this way, Tim Marie, our lack of confession is just a grave injustice against ourselves. Because we're not giving ourselves a second chance. We're not giving ourselves a chance to breathe free again and to be healed, strengthened, and set free from the chains of sin. I hope everybody listening goes to confession before Christmas this year. And, and I, I make a challenge. If you go to confession before Christmas this year, then I come. you just tell me if that hasn't made a big difference in how you mm -hmm. celebrated Christmas. I guarantee it's going to make a great difference. It's going to open things up for you in a whole new way. Let's talk about resolutions. People are getting ready, maybe pondering in a couple weeks here, New Year's resolutions, uh, but we're in a new liturgical year and the church is always ahead of the culture. It is what creates culture. And we're in that Advent season preparing for the celebration of Christ. And so maybe a resolution that can be worked on is a regular commitment to go to confession. Uh, you know, what the saints prescribe of at least once a month, I think is great. I think every two weeks is even better. And if you have something you're really struggling with even uh, more often than that, but can you speak to the importance of frequent reception of the grace of the sacrament of confession, the, the role that that forgiveness has in growing your spiritual life, that is your whole life. It shouldn't be separated from the rest of your life at all, but completely incorporated and integrated. Well, you know, go back to what it is. What is confession? It's your, it's your soul. So your depths of who you are, it's the root of your identity being free to love. 
I mean, when you say that, it's just really understanding. I don't think people understand themselves, honestly. We, we sell ourselves short and we treat ourselves like we were made to eat chocolate <laughs> and see mommy kissing Santa Claus, you know, underneath the mistletoe. And like, there's a lot more to life than that. There's, there's a deep gift that each one of us is called by God to make of ourselves and of him through ourselves into this world. A, a shout of joy in a raucous din of confusion, a beam of light in the darkness, a wave of heat in a cold world. That's what our lives are called by God to be. And when you say, well, how do I do all of that? I do all of that by giving the love that God has given to me from the depths of my heart outward. Sin clogs that system. Sin mutes us. It grays us. It makes us old and sterilizes that gift. And so if we get used to it, well, we end up living our life on mute and, and not actually understanding the deep purpose or gaining the deep purpose for which we were made. When you therefore go to confession, you become liberated and, and expanded and you become that radiant gift of God for everyone around you. And that, my friends, it's like it's bigger than you. I mean, like, maybe you feel like you don't have to go to confession. Like, I'd like this to say it's bigger than you, okay? You need to go to confession, not just because you feel like it, but because the world needs you. And when you stay on mute and when you stay small and when you stay diminished and because of your sin, your anger, your issues, all that garbage, everyone around you not only suffers, but they also become enchained by their own darkness. It seems like no one around us can liberate us or set us free. Only a liberated person can liberate others. Going to confession liberates you. And when you're liberated from the inside, you can now suddenly unlock the despair, the chains of despair all around you, and the whole world can rise with you. And that's an antidote to the anxiety, depression, loneliness, fear. So many of those things that people are experiencing today, it's a form of real spiritual oppression that's occurring in our lives that literally confession can break into through the grace and forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's actually, a question came in from Tom in Wisconsin. He says, I'm a 74-year-old catechumen, and he's asking if I could still go to confession even though I haven't received my sacraments yet. I was baptized in a Protestant church. Well, great question, Tom. Uh, you will be able to go to confession as part of your entrance into the church. Uh, catechumens can't go to confession until they have their first confession, which is done usually slightly before Easter with their pastor. So in the meantime, your job, Tom, is to long for it and to witness to everyone around you about the beauty of what you found in the Catholicism and your desire to receive it. And you can be a powerful uh, witness for Christ and open the hearts of many to, to Jesus and to the power of the sacraments by your witness. Because you have found something and seen something that many Catholics even have not yet appreciated. We need you. We need your voice. I would say make it loud and clear how much you can't wait to go to confession. And I just want to touch, there is a legitimate fear. You know, I understand, you know, you mentioned you're 74 years old, Tom. So you're probably saying, okay, just in case, perhaps, you know, I really want to make sure I go to confession or I've had a lot of years that now I'm at this point where I don't necessarily want to wait. Uh, that's something you can talk to with your priest about uh, going to confession sooner. Um, that might be something that is absolutely extended. You know, the church doesn't 
hold sacraments from people. And so that could be a conversation that could be had uh, leading into this conversion process. And welcome to the church. Welcome home. Uh, Another thing if we could just touch on is the confession of desire. Um, We are responsible, we're culpable to actually go to a priest and confess our sins. The The priest acts in persona Christi, giving us the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who we're confessing our sins to. Uh, But maybe for some reason you are not able to access confession by no fault of your own or you're on your way or you're working your way there. Uh, God knows that. He takes into consideration this. So, you know, God forbid something were to happen to you and you had not confessed yet, but you had the intent in the plan to, um, that that culpability, that forgiveness does still come from God. So I think that is an important nuance to make. But if you're really feeling called to go to confession now, talk to your priest about it. That can be something that can be discussed now. Um, Father Nathan, let's talk a little bit more about confession. If someone has not been to confession in a while, um, what would be first steps that you would guide people to for an examination of conscience to prepare for that? Oh, how great. What a great question, uh, Timory. And it's something that a lot of Catholics struggle with. They say, I don't know what to say in confession. And I kind of chuckled to myself and I'm like, we've got that figured out. (laughs) There's an app actually you can get called I Confess. It's a free app and it has no fewer than seven, seven different lists of questions for you to consider. Seven. That's amazing. I Confess. It's a free app. You can download that and then take a take a look. But I encourage everyone to take the time to prepare because when you take the time to prepare for your confession, what you're actually doing is bringing thought to bear to where the wounds are, right? And that can be hard and it can be scary, but it's so fruitful because when you're able to own this aspect of my life and to say it in front of God, I need help in overcoming this. This is a place of failure for me. You actually have the healing takes place, right? Because you've prepared the ground. It's like you you take the, the earth and, and you've just plowed it and you've added fertilizer to it and you've prepared it for the water and the seed of, of God's grace. And so where you can go practically, I, I said there's an app there, EWTN.com has a great examination of conscience on it. And just type into Google examination of conscience. I bet relevant radio on your own uh, website there has a wonderful uh, examination of conscience. They're, they're prevalent on the internet. Find one and then make your list. Uh, another thing that can really help people to go what the priest needs to hear is what kind of sin you did and approximately how many times you did it for the big ones. Okay, it's called for the mortal sins, the big ones, violations of the commandments, seven deadly sins, etc. the big ones. You just, you want to do, you know, Father, I did this often. I did this many times, etc. You don't have to go into the details. You don't have to tell us the story. And you can prepare that list by looking at that list of questions and then saying, yep, I did these following sins. It's a tremendous, it's a water flow of grace, everyone. That's what I, I really want to, to reiterate to you. When you're confessing, it's beyond the role of just judgment. You're now actually opening yourself to letting Jesus love you. You're standing underneath a waterfall of grace that's being poured out of the sacred heart of Jesus on the cross. And you're just letting that grace wash you free from all of your dirt and all of your grime. You can be born again. It happens in confession. But preparation, Timory, is really important. Uh, It's not the only thing. Go even if you're not prepared. But if you haven't been in a while, it's important to go. 
And I would just like to remind everyone, there is a law in the Catholic Church that says every Roman Catholic should confess once a year. So if you haven't gone in the past year, you need to go at least once a year. And it's recommended to go once a month. That's Father Nathan Cromley here on Trending with Timory. You can find him and his great work at St. John Leadership Institute.org. That's St. John Leadership Institute.org, forming leaders, Catholic leaders in all areas of life. Also, I love his retreats for young adults. I've been on many of them in formation with the community of St. John there, Father, whom Father Nathan's a part of. So check that out at eagleeyeministries.org. Posted a link on social media. Again, it's that season of Advent, to opportunity, whether you have a penance service at your church, whether you go and look up the regular confession times at some of the local parishes near you, or even call and ask for a confession appointment. I'm going to do that actually for tomorrow morning. I'm going to actually send a message right now and see if I can get in early in the morning. So take that time before Christmas. I'll be right back here on Trending with Timory. Enjoying that Advent music in this last week and a half as we slide into Christmas. Uh, Be sure to take advantage of confession this liturgical season, my favorite in Advent, preparing for the coming of Christ. Uh, Let's talk for a moment about Harry and Meghan. I know you're all up on the royal tea or wish you were. Actually, it's been really interesting. So I did waste about 45 minutes of my life today watching Harry and Meghan, the two-part documentary series. The next part drops in a couple days here on Netflix. And I will finish it. I am interested. And more so in some ways out of, you know, kind of one of those like thought experiments to just see the reaction people have. It is really interesting to me that the majority of people here in the United States just aren't buying it. I really don't hear a lot of people saying, I feel so bad for Harry and Meghan. Um, it's really interesting to see that we have this love for the royal family, this intrigue and interest. Um, but even people who agree that maybe there were things that were wrong and harmful done to them. And again, I don't know if we will ever fully know the truth. What they've done by making a public profile of being victims is ridiculous. A ridiculous. I mean, at what point are you going to stop pointing the finger? And the inconsistency of character is so striking to me, even in what is shared by Prince Harry. Now, Prince Harry was, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, everyone, I mean, he was the bachelor uh, that everyone had intrigue in, in many ways, especially with the royal wedding of his older brother. There was still that idea of, okay, he's single and hey, he's a redhead too. Added extra intrigue and he's a Brit. Uh, But it's interesting to see a lot of people are responding uh, with, one, it's a waste of time, which I get, kind of paying attention to it. I do think there is legitimacy. If something's being very popularized and people are intrigued in responding, why? Uh, And what I'm seeing over and over again is that, hey, Prince Harry, um, a lot of people are just noting his inconsistency. He is known as someone who has hated the paparazzi uh, from a very young age. He's hated the press. Uh, you know, he believes the press are who, in many ways, killed his mother. Um, you know, he even talks about these early childhood memories in the documentary 
of just being uncomfortable and being pressured in some ways to engage with the press or when, you know, his family was kind of pushing them away and how that was handled. Uh, but then at the same time, he says, oh, yeah, a friend told us as everything was happening that we should, you know, document what was happening. And so they started a video diary talking about how they were being so harmed by the royal family. Uh, and it's interesting because... He is going on and on sharing his story, yet he's doing the exact thing he claims he hates, and that is being in the media's attention and sharing publicly. And so I do find it really interesting, and I think it's a reminder for us that why I think there's been such a visceral reaction to this group of people, this royal family uh that normally people would in many ways adore in the America because we don't have royalty, uh, that there's a visceral reaction, I think, because the inconsistency of character is so stark, people just can't quite handle it. And yes, I think there's that frustration that, okay, they abandoned and they're rejecting the royal family, maybe too much of a loyalty to the royal family, uh, for sure. But I think that inconsistency is something that we should turn back in on ourselves and say, okay, where are we maybe struggling with character consistency? Where can we be have a little more integrity with, you know, okay, saying I hate X, but I'm doing exactly what I hate. And these are these moments where we're talking about uh, confession and examination of conscience. And I think that this is that moment when we're seeing this visceral reaction in the culture to certain figures where we need to turn in and say, what can I learn from this? Now, there's a lot of conversation out there about Meghan Markle and being a whiner and a narcissist and so self-obsessed with herself. It's a lot of what I'm hearing about Meghan Markle. But then the reaction, in many ways, is just this disappointment in Prince Harry because he was that bachelor, that icon for such a long time for many people. He was a person who kind of tried to stay out of the press, a person who lost his mom at a very young age. Uh, and so I think people have this expectation of more in some ways for him. So it's a fascinating, I think, thought experiment. I know a lot of people are saying it's not worth the time to pay attention to, but I do think it's worth the time to see why this is garnering such a strong sense of public opinion in Again, it's interesting. It's one of those moments where you can kind of walk through the intrigue with others. You're listening to Trending with Timmery here on Relevant Radio. I shared with you the fantastic, fantastic news yesterday that last week, um, the mandate forcing physicians and insurance companies to either perform on the physician's part or to pay for cross-sex so-called hormone therapy, so-called gender affirmation surgeries that are really just bodily mutilation, mutilation, as well as the puberty blocking drugs for children, that that mandate has gone out the door. Um, and it's interesting because Health and Human Services has had to acknowledge um, through psychological resources, scientific medical data, that the so-called help that they were trying to claim was being given to minors and adults with these so-called medical services and interventions were not helping. And there is a real concern. Health and Human Services had to, had to admit it and roll back that mandate that's been violating the consciences of many people and also leading to the literal destruction and damage of anywhere from minors to adults' bodies. But what I wanted to talk about for a moment here is that I'm just not buying this po this idea that all of the nation's pro-LGBTQ. We know more people than ever before are struggling, especially with the gender issue. But what we also know 
And I think just based on anecdotal conversation, people are afraid to talk about this because it's the mob. And mainstream media, as well as a lot of institutions, are pushing this. If someone says that they're questioning their gender, automatically affirm the opposite gender for them. Which is so silly, but a lot of people are scared to say anything. A lot of people are uncomfortable. I remember a couple years ago, I had this client I was teaching Pilates to, and she was saying, you know, I love public school. I'm all about, you know, if people want to identify as whatever they want or marry whoever they want, that's totally fine. But here's the but. And a lot of people have a but there, literally. Um, and so what they said, what she said is, you know, my child, she's six years old and she's talking about this little boy who's coming to school and he's carrying a purse and he's wearing a dress. And she said, I just feel really uncomfortable. And so I, I used that opportunity. I said, well, why do you feel uncomfortable? And I teased it out. And what I hear from people over and over again, I think a lot of people with this discomfort, we know deep down inside there's a difference between male and female. We know deep down inside that there can be struggles that we all have that um, push us away from what we could argue as the ideal or the stereotype, but that God has a plan for the human person. Even if you don't believe in God, you believe that there's some type of nature and you can look at neuroscience, medical data, that every muscle and fiber of our body, there are male and female sex differences written into the body. But also just look at the box offices and look at the fact that Disney's recent movie, Strange World and Lightyear that came out this year bombed in the box offices because people don't want to see relationships that aren't what God intended, male and female, that are a part of the human body. So don't buy the lie that everyone's pro-LGBTQ. Have the conversations. Question the narrative and stand true to the gift of femininity and masculinity.